Welcome to Confessional. I'm Kayla Shelton, along with Mike Moran. Tell us your deepest, your creepiest, your darkest. Confess to us. We won't tell. So you can tell us anything. No one's listening. On today's confession, travel stories. All right, welcome everybody to the confessional. I am here with guest co-host Lily Sparks. Lily, how Hi, are you? I'm good. How Thank are you? Thank you so Mike? much for coming by. Thanks for having me. Lily, I'm so excited about this episode. I'm also very excited. Do you have any idea who we have today? Oh, I have all sorts of ideas. This woman does what I believe to be one of the best new podcasts. Maybe maybe in my top 50, in the in the Mike Moran Golden Podcast Collection. <laughs> oh, that collection? She definitely has a place on there. Now that's oh. what I call a podcast. Exactly. No. <laughs> Very I'm, popular. All of a sudden I'm sweaty. Right, right. <laughs> this woman hosts I mean, American I'm sweaty Hysteria, too. So oh my god. Okay. It's an incredibly no one told you to speak yet. <laughs> it is an incredible. sorry. I'm I see why you weren't on the golden list. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, she is amazing. She does uh, just an awesome podcast. Please check out American Hysteria. It is insightful and brilliant, and uh, I just love it, and I look forward to it whenever it comes out. Please welcome Chelsea Weber-Smith. Thank you so much for having me, both of you. I'm, I'm very excited, and uh, I could talk forever, so. Awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Awesome. And thank you for saying the ki kind things you did about American Hysteria. I always love knowing that that people are getting something out of it because i i spend virtually all of my time <laughs> pouring into this show right, so right i love hearing that it's affecting people in at least some way no i absolutely love it i play it wherever you know whenever i'm around other people in he the was car playing in the car yeah i was oh, awesome um, i love that that's mm, wonderful what uh what made you decide to 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 do american hysteria well you know i think I don't know. Have you have you both ever listened to the podcast in the dark? Um, I'm gonna be so honest. No, I feel like that's, oh, that's one okay. that yeah. kind of pops up every now and then, but I, I can't remember if I've ever actually listened to an episode. Yeah, it's an incredible uh, investigative podcast, and okay. I think they've won a ton of awards. And they uh, did an episode about uh, Jacob Wetterling, who was um, one of the milk carton kids who oh, went missing yeah, yeah. in the late 70s and 80s. Mm. And uh, the whole episode was about sort of the misconceptions around stranger danger. Right, and of course, right. I perked up pop culturally there where I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I remember so much about Stranger Danger. We sure. had this panic in our town that I talk about in the first episode yeah, around yeah. this stranger mm. in our local middle school park. And and these two girls kind of had this wild story of a scar faced yeah. man chasing them through the park and everything. And it turned out that they were just late coming back from <laughs> coming back home that night. And they kind of concocted this excuse that they felt like you know would would just get them out of trouble but then it, right, it just right. completely spun out of control and the local news covered it none of us were allowed <sighs> to go anywhere and 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 it was just sort of it sparked this memory in me of of just how easily we get overly um panicked about about things that actually aren't likely or aren't real sure. and then how that the podcast also gets into how you know our our <clears throat> 
like our panic surrounds something like Stranger Danger, which in fact only 150 kids are taken by strangers every year, which of course mm-hmm. is devastating and should be prevented. But mm-hmm. at the same time, 90 percent of these crimes against children are committed by people that they know and people in their families. Right, so right. I just was like, wow, this feels important. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then I grew up also, if you listen to the uh, season finale of uh, our first season, I also grew up with a very hardcore conspiracy theorist apocalypse prepping dad Mm -hmm. um and so i think you know i grew up with the illuminati i grew up with 2012 um and these things that that i did believe in essentially Mm -hmm. and i talk about that in the podcast i I came off of being sort of a fantastical thinker into being a skeptic um yeah yeah, me too spun out from there right yeah yeah i kind of had a similar thing like kind of growing up in the late 80s early 90s with the the uh sightings and then those type of shows and unsolved mysteries and uh aliens and nostradamus and all that stuff fascinated me and then when i got a little older kind of the reverse side of it started to fascinate me more like why do i believe these things yeah that's exactly how it happened for me as oh well. and also the just, satanic uh, panic it was just a switch and it's still the same interest right it's still the same passion. right absolutely um, absolutely i love urban legends i love these me different too. things but now i'm looking at them more less of the story well the story certainly right. but how these stories affect our culture and sure. especially issues of race gender sexuality and class um which mm-hmm. just come out constantly in the show even when i think right. they're not going to yeah, the, the the newer just, one with the Nat Turner. I just Turner. keep finding those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The the newer one, uh, I think it was was it last week with Nat Turner and the uh, Pygmy in the Bronx Zoo. Yep, that's that exactly right. And and that episode started out. It's called Monsters. It was going to mm-hmm. be called Local Monsters, and I was like, oh, we're going to do Bigfoot. We're going to do the Chupacabra. We're going to do <laughs> all these fun. It's going to be a fun episode finally. Sure, and then sure. I got this book called Monsters in America that just talked all about <laughs> the language. Um, of the monstrous and how that's uh, how that's been used against black folks uh, right. from slavery to crack, you mm-hmm. know, for all these 200 years. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I often I often go in thinking that we're going to do something light. But as soon as I start digging, right, it right. gets it gets dark usually. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Do you have any uh, thoughts on mass hysteria? Lily, did you, did you did you catch any of the satanic panic? Did you miss that one? Uh, um, I think what happened was I had parents that grew up in it Mm -hmm. so i think i had like a once removed where my parents were like kind of like paranoid more my mom she was kind of like grew up paranoid and she tried to like instill that on me but i was like you're dramatic i have the internet (laughs) type thing and i always like was fascinated by like horror and like creepy stuff Mm -hmm. and i think that like kind of like geeked out my mom because she was like why is she into this and i'm like i don't know huh interesting but like, yeah, my mom was really like kind of like paranoid growing up, mm-hmm. and she would, she would just like not let us inside You're like, of mom, a stranger. Kidnapping panics are so mid eighties. <laughs> not gonna end up on a. I definitely was like, mom, life is not the nightly news. Right. Well, that's that's great. <laughs> I mean, here. Well, truly, you truly, it's not. <laughs> I wish I would have known that as a child. Uh, I also grew up with. I mean, I grew up in the opposite situation uh, with uh, both my parents. Uh, my dad, as I mentioned, and then my my mom and my granny and all of us just love horror. We love, oh, cool. you know, I mean, I hate to say I love true crime, but we're very interested sure. in in that side of uh, of the world. And I think, I mean, my mom likes to say that when I was like in her womb, that she <laughs> only watched horror movies, uh, <laughs> and I believe that that is Does still she not know about my mom the day because I love nothing more right. than a good <laughs> teen horror movie. 
My mom also, she does, like, some horror stuff. She just doesn't like realistic stuff. But, like, she, like, was always, like, maybe, like, horror stuff because I read Stephen King so much when right. I was, like, pregnant with you. Right. She used to say, like, the same thing. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. funny. I like yeah. that. I love Stephen King. <laughs> love It. That's my favorite horror movie of all yeah, time. Yeah. You, you, know, you know what's funny? I, okay. I was actually, I got a lot of responses for favorite Stephen King book slash story on the Facebook page, and I was actually considering asking you if you wanted to do that as a subject, but I didn't, because I wasn't sure if you were a Stephen King fan or not. I, I do love Stephen King, but I'm probably not the authority. I'll okay. say that. Right. I, like, yeah. I, read, I watch more of the movies. Yeah. We should get my mom in. <laughs> yeah. We'll have Lily's mom instead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we decided it would be nice to give you a little break from talking about mass panics constantly on this episode of The Confessional, and we are going to discuss... What are we going to discuss, Lily? We are going to discuss traveling stories. That is I correct. read it like I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just put you on the spot out of nowhere. But uh, Chelsea is a big traveler, right? Yes, that's right. Uh, and you've done some hitchhiking. I've done a lot of hitchhiking. All right. What, what made you decide to do that? I mean, growing up on true crime, you, you must have had some uh, apprehension about You know... When I was growing up, my, my dad, the one I mentioned, because I have a stepdad as well, but the, uh, my biological dad, he, um, he took us on a lot of very fun and strange adventures. Hmm. Um, you know, he, he's a, an eccentric fellow. Awesome. Um, and we would go on these very interesting camping trips, and they weren't, like, we didn't go to campgrounds. Uh, we would go and camp sort of like just in the woods uh and <laughs> and we had just we'd have all these strange paranormal experiences and i mean i really? i just grew up in this world of kind of fantastical thinking and that's you know fantastical sure. thinking can be really lovely and it can really give dimension to your life or it can be really uh oppressive and mm. intense and make you believe that you're in a lot more danger than you are and i think right, right. growing up my dad just was very trusting he he left his car door unlocked his house door unlocked and he just always taught me that people were good and uh mm. and i think that that was great and i do think that in some ways i needed a little bit more information about right. the realities of the world but mm. you know his best friend was was this homeless vietnam vet who lived out in the woods and we'd go out there all the time he cool. made this wild house out in the woods um you know and so i just grew up knowing a lot of folks that that felt like they were on the margins that other people were afraid of um and it also just taught me that i do think that for the most part people are i mean i don't even want to say good but they're mm. They're not harmful, maybe. Sure. Um, and so I I just really love people. I've always been very, very just in love with with people and with strangers and with their stories. And people find me like a very open face. My friends uh, say I have yeah, an open face. Yeah. And so strangers will often just right. plop down on a bench next to me. And yeah, just... I had that too, weirdly. When I... when I was an Uber driver, the things that people would tell me. Do you have that, Lily? I have that. I I also, like, I feel, like, bad because I think there's, like, this glamorization of not loving people. Yeah, kind of yeah. the cynicism. Like, or, like, like not the, liking right. people. And I like people. Yeah. I don't talk about it often because mm -hmm. I feel like, kind of, like, it's not cool to like people. Mm -hmm. But, I like, at least individually, I really fuck with most people. Yeah, I like that. Ooh, I fuck with awesome. most people, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, let's, uh, yeah, let's read a confession here. This is uh, from Joshua Furlinger, Los Angeles. California. 
Uh, traveling by overnight train from Germany to Poland, not long after we crossed the border, still needed a passport to go from Germany to Poland back then. My ex got her pocket picked, and they got everything, including her passport. Honestly, the most crazy part was how easy it was for her to get a temporary passport issued by the U.S. consulate in Krakow, even though she literally had zero ID. All she had was a pro. Well, all she had to do was provide her name, social security number, and some info about her parents. Obviously, it helped that she was a small blonde lady who clearly was a native English speaker. They, the consulate said they that people get their pockets picked on that train all the time. We joked how easy it would be to set up a scam to get po- passports from the consulate that we could sell. Mm. Mm. So, I like that con. <laughs> Yeah, I like how that ended with a proposed crime. Um, yeah, you guys ever travel abroad? Do you have any uh, any passport uh, follies of that kind? No. All right. <laughs> Chelsea? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I sure do. Um, when I was 18, I, uh, I was able to, uh, through working and also through my middle-class privilege, was able mm. to go uh, do a backpacking trip in Europe as, as you do, um, oh, as course. some people are able to do. Um, and I was lucky enough to be able to do that uh, for about three months. And mm-hmm. I was just, you know, when I look back and when I look at these 18 year olds, I meet an 18 year old and I was like, what on earth was I doing? It was me and a, a guy who was 18, a friend of mine. Uh, and we, I mean, we went to many countries in, in Europe, like mm-hmm. Italy, France, uh, Spain, Germany. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, we got robbed multiple times. Really? My, my most uh, vivid memory was we were sitting and we were eating KFC. I remember that vividly because yeah, we that's like, what you get. Hell in yeah, Hell I miss yeah. America. You know, right. um, and I miss all the, the colonel parts of America. over there. They call him the lieutenant, I believe. What was that? The colonel's the lieutenant in Europe. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> the colonel is. Ugh. Anyway, yeah, we were eating <laughs> gross chicken, sitting on the sidewalk in Barcelona, and. Uh, all of a sudden, I'm like eating chicken, right? I'm stuffing my face and I'm talking to my friend, but I'm not looking at him. And I turn and realize he's gone. He's just gone. Your and friend I didn't got even notice him get up. And I just catch a glimpse of him turning around a corner. And um, and I run, I guess get up and run, mm. and I see him and he's holding up this dude against the wall. My friend is holding this dude up against the wall and he's got his knife out. And I'm just like, oh my God. what is going on? And I'm f- just freaking out. And the guy, what had happened is the guy had walked by and stolen his bag, which of course, passport, uh, At least he didn't steal the KFC. Um, but the, yeah, he just friggin' That guy did it, needs man. to get his priorities straight. Right, dude, yeah. sure, I mean, I was impressed. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm still <laughs> sort of baffled by the sight of it, but... He got his oh, bag back and just, it, right. you know, the, you just yeah. let the guy go or just yeah. whatever. No, I know? think Lily was like, saying just that another thing. Just the priority of the KFC over the bag. Little babies. Right. Yeah. In a big yeah. world. Yeah. Wow. Man, I, when I was like 18, I was like. 12 when, days ago. I'm tw- I'm 21 right now. I'm a baby. <gasps> okay. 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 Yeah. So that, that's recent. Yeah. I'm, I'm 30. It's been a little bit. Oh, man. It's, time is relative. It sure is. <laughs> I'm still doing it all for the nookie myself. That's oh, yeah. You know, do you remember remember Josie, who was, wait. Oh, the mid, yeah, the dwarf. Yeah. Uh, no, that was Kid the, Rock. The that little person. Rock. Yeah, I, I saw him <laughs> perform with, uh, with, um, at the M&T Stadium with uh, Metallica was headlining and Kid Rock was opening. 
Because it wasn't Kid Rock. I just totally went the wrong pop cultural route because it's Fred Durst that says I did it all for the Nookie, isn't it? Fred Durst is Nookie. All right, Uh, all right. Well, you know, at least we remember Josie because I think that he died kind of recently. He did did die tragically. So a big R.I.P. to Josie. Yeah. I don't think it was very – I think it was like not, you know, like 12, 13 years ago. All right. <laughs> I'm very strict about my kid rock. Hey, that's when you were my age. Here. Yeah, that's a little million. Yeah, right. Yeah. Fresh yeah. young. Oh man. Person. All right. So this one is from Alita Smith, Boulder, Colorado, Yellowstone National Park. I was 19, and my friend Jay and I were driving across country in a VW bus with my dog Nesta, German Shepherd Mutt. She was a bit unruly. Picture 19-year-old Alita with a dog, as though we, you guys know Alita. Anyways, we decided to take in the beauty and camp a few nights in Yellowstone. One day, we pulled over with like 100 other cars because a herd of bison was crossing the road. All the tourists and their families were out of their cars with their cameras getting pretty close and taking pictures. We rolled up the windows, uh, left a crack for air, and hopped out to walk to the animals towards all the other people. About halfway there, I heard a frenzied woof, 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 really loud, and it's getting closer. I turn around to my absolute horror. Nesta is running full full speed, saliva swinging, barking towards the buffalo. Full-on shepherd now and starts hurting the the bison, who in turn start freaking out and start turning together, animal instincts setting in. Nesta runs around them, circling them in, and they turn full stampede style towards the tourists to try and get away from her. It's total mayhem. People are grabbing their kids and running to their cars. Total chaos. We finally get back to the van with Nesta with us and are trying to drive away. People are getting out of the cars to cuss us out, shaking fists at us. And one guy followed us, screaming out his window all the way to the western exit. We just kept driving. Damn. That's amazing. (laughs) Wow. I like that dog. Yeah, Nesta. <laughs> Nesta is a bad bitch. Absolutely. It just shows how much is like uh, how much that instinct just doesn't right, go away. Yeah. It's built into the DNA. Yeah, dogs it. are just no- born knowing how to herd shepherds. Herd I shepherds mean, or I mean, herd <laughs> bison. Herd bison, I mean. <laughs> I do have two animal related traveling stories if you will indulge me. Absolutely. Um, yes, that's why that's why we're here. Okay. So the first one the first one is creepier. Well, they're both kind of creepy, so it's, it's a little bit more in the vein of what you guys do. Sure. So the first one, I was driving to Vegas um, from Seattle, and we had – it was a little road trip, um, and we had uh, some issues that made me need to drive for 16 hours straight. Um, and so I just put – I just did it, and it was through Nevada, which is, like, one of my favorite, favorite states to travel through because it's really? absolutely bizarre. You just go through all of these abandoned towns and – at this point, we were actually really close to Area 51, so I cool. was like, you know, and it was dark. I mean, it's pitch black, and when you're in the desert, it's just, it's kind of like you're in a cartoon, and, like, it's just repeating and repeating and repeating the background. Oh, cool. And yeah. uh, all of a sudden, I was, my friend was next to me, and, and he was awake, and uh, my girlfriend at the time was sleeping in the back, and we... um we, we just drove, there was a flash of something to our left, and it looked like, I mean, like a Yeti or something. It was really? br- like a bright white, gigantic thing. And it was just like, we were going, you know, we were on like 70 miles an hour, so it was just like a white really Yeti? fast. And and we were like, what the fuck was that? And it was like shocking. And so I was wow. like, oh, I'm, I have to turn around. I have to know what that was. So we turn around, and, and our lights kind of like, you know, sweep across the desert sure. as I turn sure. around. And it is a gigantic 
like snow white dog and and we we look at him and he's got blood around his mouth oh and he's God. eating the face of a dead elk Whoa. and it was just <laughs> oh we were just like oh my god and and we're talking like we are a hundred miles away from right. the town we're in the middle of nowhere and that was ooh, that was a really that was wow. freaky and, wow. and it just like it, it was fun though i liked it um yeah. and then the second one i just really quick i was i used to travel well i still do but i have a truck toyota tacoma um 97 and uh his name is old handsome and he's like mm. my best friend in the world and uh i traveled for nine months in my truck by myself um, wow. all around the country. And at one point I was on the California-Arizona border and I was completely alone in the middle of nowhere along along this river. Um, mm. And uh, I was not scared. I was having a fire, I was drinking some wine by myself, sure. just, you know, really having a real nice time under the stars by myself. And uh, and all, but of course there's always this uneasy feeling of like, I would be totally fucked if, if you know, if somebody's out here and they have ill intentions um, and it's just a risk that I'm so used to taking, but I was, sure. I was chilling out, but I heard what sounded like, like a bunch of men. I just, that's all the only way I can describe it. Cause I'm in that's like the terrifying. twilight, right? So I can't really see. And I just hear all like this wow. loud sobbing and I'm just like, Oh, okay. Well, I've had a good run, you know. Oh my god, it's sad. <laughs> it's sad that but... like the villain of the, you know, it's it's not like I think I heard a monster or some kind of cryptid or a ghost. I heard some men, you yeah, know, which like, is so much scarier. Right? That's yeah, scarier. Exactly. A ghost? Oh, far scarier. Um, <laughs> but uh, what what it was as I as I was able to adjust my sight to the darkness, they came up and it was these three wild horses. And they went and they just were, they just started drinking from the river, like really close to me. Wow. And it was so magical. And then all night, I think that they were rubbing up against the truck or something because the truck was like moving back and forth a little bit. And then I could hear them in the distance, like doing their, you know, like horse sound, like right. or whatever they do. That was terrible. But, you know, just, just he and and hawing well, all around. And, and uh, right. it was very comforting though. It was, That's it wasn't awesome. scary. It was just like, this is so funny. And I felt so, you know, one with nature or sure, whatever. Sure. Um, yeah. So those are my animal stories. Cool. I now. have a little animal story based off of that. that sure. I remember. So I went camping one night and um, it was like my first and only time camping. And I, and like, there's like a like wild animal, not a big deal. And sure. my like roommate who camps a lot was like, uh, make a noise to scare them off mm. and my natural noise I made was me just going like to scare this wild animals me going like papa why <laughs> like, like I don't know this little sheep <laughs> yeah I just <laughs> I was thinking like infant bottle like your bottle no it was more but... like a sheep like I was like my she's like scare these animals off and I was like I literally like look and I was like Ba, it's ba. funny that you were the person they turned to to scare the animals off. You're like no, she most... wasn't turning to anyone right. in particular. Oh, okay. It was like me and my other roommate, and she was like, "Make a noise," you know. And I was like, "You gotta make a noise." And I was like, "Yeah, I got it." Ba ba. <laughs> Did it I work? got this handle, y'all. Uh, I'm alive. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, truly. Well, it did not work. What kind of animal was it? Probably like a small fox. Yeah. Nothing. It was literally nothing. It was just because it was our first time camping, sure. and we were, and I was just like. Is that gonna like kill me? <laughs> <laughs> well, foxes make some scary sounds, don't they? Don't they like kind of sound like a woman weeping when they when they're screaming? Maybe it wasn't a fox. <laughs> I just made a guess. I <laughs> did not know that foxes sounded yeah. like women weeping. But. Yeah, Maybe that's I swear. what women tell you. So they, you don't <laughs> hear them. <laughs> it's just a fox, Mike. 
It's just a fox. Don't worry. About I'm just because I'm crying in your car doesn't mean there's not a fox around. <laughs> I'm gonna sit in your car for a while. Look out for the foxes. And I'm like, another solid Ooh. vacation with the missus. If she All doesn't sound right. like a fox. <laughs> this one is from uh, Aaron Stack, Los Angeles, California. You ever heard of Los Angeles, Lily? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm too young to know what that is. <laughs> right, yeah. It was uh y- you weren't around for the for the sequel of Escape mm-hmm. from LA with uh from the nineties, so you wouldn't oh, know. Oh yeah. I don't uh, even know what that means. There's all right. <laughs> Aaron says there's a freeway exit outside of Mobile, Alabama that leads you straight to a federal prison. Apparently, they leave the gate open with rifle toting guards because it's the middle of nowhere and it's the south. Uh, I was on a cross-country road trip with my also angel-faced, red-headed best friend in my gold convertible, plus my little puppy dog. We. <laughs> Why is that funny? I was with my angel-faced, red-haired friend, and we were in a gold convertible. There's a lot of. I feel There's like I. Lot. They des- I feel like they deserve whatever <laughs> scare they're about to oh, get. They seem on. like an easy target. Oh man, you and your, <laughs> you and your. Are you victim blaming shaming. right now? <laughs> I'm not victim blaming because they're alive, you know. Oh, actually, <laughs> you're really. That's, that's a good point. Okay, so we tried to get off to get gas in bumfuck Alabama and pulled straight into the prison yard with the top down. All the prisoners, parentheses men, rushed to the car acting exactly... Wow, this is like Chelsea's story except for times 100. Okay, all, maybe I take back what I said. Yeah. <laughs> all the prisoners rushed to the car uh, acting exactly how you would imagine incarcerated men to act when they see two insanely hot redheaded teens, followed by the guards with guns. Uh, we screamed... So much. ...turned around and hightailed it out there. But that whole thing really happened in my life. Why did they go into the prison gates? Um, Do we the, know this? I think they thought it was a gas station. Uh, apparently they leave the they gate open similar, with rifles. Definitely a penitentiary and a you gas station. Just like want to get like diesel, and you're like, oh, there's the state penitentiary. Yeah, no. <laughs> apparently that was they leave the gate Anyway, I guess that's, a, that's a terrifying story, and yes, I I think that that would be awful to experience. So I'm sorry to, to you, but also way to escape in your gold convertible. Right. When right. Out with Maybe the tire spinning was... and dust being kicked up yeah, in a very yeah. dramatic fashion. Also, I like how she throws in that she's a hottie, too. Yeah, dude, own it. I well, love that. I, no, I, 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 usually, I'm there I drop it. that about myself as much as I possibly can. Own it, Mike. Absolutely. Own it, Mike. Um, yeah, so this doesn't make a, a lot of sense. They leave the gate open with rifle-toting guards because it's. it almost sounds like they're they're making a point of being like, we're Southerners, we don't use fences, we use guns. I mean, it's... It sounded right. Possible, yeah. It <laughs> wouldn't surprise me. Huh. All right. Well, uh, Chelsea, you said earlier you have some paranormal-ish travel stories. Is that correct, or did I hear... Yeah, I do. I think I have some, but I think more, I I have some, but I I feel like they're not as interesting as some of the real things that have happened. Well, let's hear Uh, another, yeah, Uh, let's hear another real one, whatever you think. Yeah, let's see. Well, I think I'll talk about it sort of in a, a little bit of an abstract broad sense, and there'll be some stories in there too, but I think I think it's important to think about hitchhiking. We, I mean, you know, you hear that word, right? And it's like, ah, like that is 
it is a scary, people consider it scary, creepy. You sure. don't do it. I mean, on My Favorite Murder, they often talk about how insane it is to hitchhike. And, uh, and of course, in Europe and, and in uh, South and Central America, it's very common and very normal. Um, but here we have this sort of idea that it's it's a terrifying and mm. basic, basically mm. a death sentence, right? right like, right. if you do this, you're going to die. Um, mm. And right. my experience is so different because, I mean, I've hitchhiked definitely more than 100 times. Like, a, probably really? a lot more. Probably oh to God. maybe at least 40 states. Um, wow. What? And wow. aside from the handful, and when I say handful, I, maybe three kind of gross experiences. Right. But, like, it was... There's definitely strange experiences, don't get me wrong, but in terms of me feeling like there's some kind of danger, um, it's only been three times and it's always been something that I felt able to be in control of. It was mm-hmm. more of like a prop, like propositions, as you might imagine. Um, sure. But but I mean, how like to me, that was almost like part of the impetus to make American Hysteria because what I was experiencing about this thing that the that America told me was virtually a death sentence uh, was the mm. stupidest thing you could do was, you know, just definitely asking to end up in a ditch or something. Um, but then I had this experience and I went into the experience with a certain goal. And again, I, I think it's important to talk about that, you know, I, I have a certain sense of privilege as a white person and as a middle class person that I was able to to go on like a you know a journey not everybody can right. do that um but what i found on this journey and what made american hysteria feel really important to me was this this difference between my experience as a queer woman um uh, or non-binary person whatever uh at that time visibly so but also white um mm. and so it was this weird intersection of feeling that there was some sort of there was something off about the way that our culture talks about uh you know these things that are apparently so dangerous um and i just more than danger i had and i love your podcast name confessional and it made me think about that's what i was so when Mm. i was on these trips i was with sometimes i was alone sometimes i was with my friends especially my friend channing uh showalter and my friend josephine jardine uh my friend johnny toulouse we all would um brenda mcnulty we'd go on these trips and um we would we had a mission of of kind of proving the world wrong mm-hmm. and and we believe that we could and and I think that we did in a lot of ways and and you know and, and knowing that that the danger is overhyped and that actually as I was going to say we we found a lot more beauty and a lot more goodness and of course the most important thing we found was nuance and I think mm-hmm. that's something that's lost in America especially right now because mm-hmm. we are in this huge culture war and we have the left we have the right we have it's black and it's white and mm-hmm. what I found not racially obviously but it's black and white right. it is that too but um we we have like we, we, we're losing nuance, um, and I think losing nuance is okay sometimes because it pushes forward social movements, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, I had so many experiences where I was riding in the car with someone, and they were telling me these stories. They are, that's what I was going to say. The show is, is confessional, and, and I, I was a confessional for these people. I, I, right. I know people's secrets yeah, that they've yeah. never told anyone, and mm-hmm. and. It was actually like a very beautiful experience to sort of like hold space for those secrets and and be this thing that they don't even know my last name. They're never going to see me again. I'm never going to be able to share their secret. And and I think 
knowing that and experiencing both the the beauty of somebody and then the like and suddenly it can turn and you're like oh that's a very ugly part of you i mean i can't tell you the the racist things that have been said to me sort of in confidence you know like just like hey white person talking to white person just really horrible horrible things and 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 then at the same time these really beautiful experiences with other types of people um and just this i don't know just this sense that that it's just not it's not as bad as we think. And that's what American right, Hysteria right. is about because it's so easy to be afraid. Fear yeah, comes yeah. so easily to us. Fear comes easier to us than love, right? Because yeah. naturally we're weight. And I mean, that's another part of American Hysteria is understanding these evolutionary parts of our brains because we're just these primitive, we're still the same as we were thousands and thousands of years right. ago. We're just plopped in the middle of society mm-hmm. and it's completely mm-hmm. different, but we still react with fear. We still are on guard against fear all the time. Yeah, we're all yeah. looking for predators, right? That's what Stranger mm-hmm. Danger is. We're just looking for predators. And I think mm-hmm. changing that script is so, so, so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that those risks that I took just paid off more than, I mean, more than I my college education or my master's right. education. I learned about the world through this thing that was supposed to kill me, if that makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense. Very well said. Thank you. (laughs) Even, like, as someone who's in, like, college right now, I find that, like, every, like, the things I really learn from and, like, the experiences that make me grow are, like, anything away from college. Mm -hmm. Like, any time I'm, like, oh, I'm doing this as, like, my own being and person and to gain my own experiences versus, like, that, like, type of... But that's like not that's only one segment of your whole point. But <laughs> but I mean, I know what you mean. It, 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 and I mean, that's that's important because college is obviously not accessible to everyone and, and less and less so as we go on. Yeah. And so there are so many ways to learn about the world and so many ways to emotionally learn about the world because, you know, college doesn't teach us a lot of emotional intelligence. Um, and so, yeah, I mean. I just I learned more there and I learned more on my own. You know, I mean, I've learned more in the last year because of American hysteria. I mean, I've become a super duper nerd and I'm just full of information. And that's why I can just like talk and talk and talk and talk forever. Uh, Right. And but yeah, that wasn't I wasn't in college doing it. Yeah. Um, Would you say that you're you're kind of an optimist now after having those experiments? And I mean, like, um for me, um, getting into skepticism and things like that, it, I've, you would think going into science and skepticism, that world is, it would be kind of cold and sterile and depressing, but I've actually kind of come out of it with an optimism to some degree, because it's like, like you said, it's not that bad in a lot of ways. And I know it's like, you know, as a, as a straight white male, I have a lot of privilege to say that. And it's a lot worse for a lot of other people, but statistically, uh, you know, I don't know for me, like looking at the statistics about war and tolerance and um, poverty throughout the world. Like I'm kind of more of an optimist than I ever was. Yeah, things are getting better. I mean, they mm-hmm. are getting better. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, statistically, crime go. Right. You know, crime goes down. Even we have had spikes, obviously, with right, um, right. this Including the presidency last and his rhetoric. Yeah. Um, and that's part of American hysteria. We certainly talk about that. But overall, we are figuring out the ways to be better. Right, I right. mean, if you really think about it, I mean, 100 years ago, we were torturing people. We were hanging people. You know, like we were doing yeah, like things I mean, that with, like, are brutal. Reward. And it was like, very normal. Um, right, and yeah. we don't do yeah. that anymore. And, and we're appalled mm-hmm. by that. Yeah. Um, and, and we're growing 
I think we're growing in the right direction. I don't, I mean, it's a weird direction. Don't get me wrong. We're going to some black mirror shit. But sure. Like, Absolutely. You know, but at the same time, I think that we need to acknowledge, especially in the midst of just this chaos, right. this yeah. pure chaos, this panic coming from every direction, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which, again, isn't necessarily a bad thing, but because it does move things forward a lot of the time. But we also we also have a big anxiety problem in America. We right. Have a yeah. Lot no, of, that's you know, you're the first person I've ever heard to say that. be. Right. Yeah. When you were out all the time. Right, right. <laughs> What's you know, and like you said the evening oh, news is yeah. just a hysteria machine. It's right, just right, like, yeah, yeah. you're going to die. I like to say mm-hmm. they, they'll give you a thousand ways to die and, and one to help Absolutely. you sleep. Um, right, right. And, yeah, it's just, it's just so, it's so, it's it's not, like you said, I, okay, optimism, right? I, I am an optimist, but I also try my very best, as you said, to realize what could make me an optimist, like what privileges, mm-hmm. what what experiences that I've gained with who I am that that make that inform my vision of the world, right? Because if I was if I was a black woman trying to hitchhike, no way. You know, mm-hmm. like, there's just no way. And right. so I think trying to, and that's what American hysteria tries to do as well, is like try to like be optimistic while at the same time trying to point out how mm-hmm. how our optimism or how these these fantastical thinking and or how this fear can it will affect other communities a lot sure. more. In the in the case of satanic panic, sure. we see, you know, we do see straight white men being accused of of crimes that they didn't commit, certainly, but but generally speaking, throughout American history, we have a huge 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 problem with racism you know and with sexism and with with class and all these different things and so i'm optimistic in a general sense but i'm Mm -hmm. also really really trying to put my optimism in context and uh and i mean naturally i love people as i've said and so Mm -hmm. the love i have for people really helps me be optimistic and really helps me see the good um but i'm also trying as i mentioned before to to see that the goodness that I experience may not be experienced by everyone. Yeah. That makes sense. I feel that a lot because, um, like, personally, I, like, sound really young, mm-hmm. and I feel like that has allowed me to kind of, like, get away with things. Yeah, you were saying yeah, that yeah. episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, were you going to say something about the... Um, the oh, de- Chelsea's yeah. point about depression and anxiety yeah. and hysteria. Like, when you were talking about how society... So, it's like, you know how we were talking about how, like, we were... We have, like, these roots kind of like with animals and also mm-hmm. like as humans who are like but then we're thrown into this society right i was thinking i think that's a large part of why we have like depression and anxiety yeah, right me now too. me too that was all yeah, yeah well and i mean i just try to think of it too like in an evolutionary context and mm-hmm. and it's like we don't we're all we're all our wires are all crossed you know right, we're waiting right, for predators yeah. we talk about in the monsters episode too how kids in other cultures are not they don't sleep alone. Not every culture, obviously, oh, but yeah, many, yeah. many right. uh, cultures yeah. that are not Western. They right. they sleep together in rooms with with their siblings or with their parents in the same bed often, and and they mm-hmm. find it really like cruel that right, we put right, kids yeah. alone yeah. in rooms, and and it's actually very natural for a kid in the darkness to be crying and screaming right, because. Right. What that meant in the context of most of human history is mm-hmm. that that kid is left to be picked off by a hyena or yeah, something. Yeah, and so yeah. that fear is not right. them being annoying. That fear is not them being having a problem. That fear mm-hmm. is them mm-hmm. still being an animal. And, well, and thankfully, we have the Grimm's. 
Yeah, yeah. Thank, thankfully, we we have the Grimm's fairy tales to to calm them down before they go to bed. Things like yeah, that. Yeah, of course. You know? Just the terror of those. Right, right. Those those are nice for the kids. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see here. We have another one from Lisa Brightwell, Catonsville, Maryland. My trip to Fort Myers, Florida, to visit my boyfriend's family, my then boyfriend's family and friends, and attend his class reunion. As we made the rounds, every household had a medical emergency, and we spent most of our 10-day vacation at hospitals, pharmacies, and grocery stores, basically taxiing and running errands down to the last night. The class reunion itself was a great party, thank God, but as it was winding down, the wedding reception in the next room was ending with a scuffle. The door next to my seat opened, and the bride and groom rolled in, screaming and fighting like wild dogs. (laughs) Minutes later... The bride ran across the dance floor shrieking, then bolted out the side door and into the night. Her parents stood there in shock. Her dad was white as a sheet and holding her suitcase. I watched the bride through the window for about three blocks. She was moving fast and not looking back. That's amazing. (laughs) Uh... I mean, maybe not for them, but uh, I got to say, I want to compliment your listeners on their writing. Their writing is very good. That's what I went to school for, uh, University of Virginia for poetry. So I really do appreciate when somebody can uh, paint a picture for me like that. Right, right. Yeah. Um, Wow. What do you think of that story, Lily? I love a good marriage being. Those depress me so bad. Oh, my God. How bad would that that. be if your wedding ended up like that? Yeah, maybe a little embarrassing. I think... (laughs) Uh, it could be like my cynicism coming out, but I just kind of love when marriage. Like, <laughs> oh my god! Because it's like, well, this is statistically this is going to happen within a few decades Honestly, anyway. Let's they just save get some it to- time. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like they shouldn't have gotten married, so it must right. be for the best. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I guess. But I guess, like, kind of like also just like having to deal with people getting sick, that also stuck out. Right. Right. Because I've been. I get sick when I travel a lot. I went uh, to yeah, go ahead. I went to Ocean City, uh-huh. which is hardly traveling, but we'll count it. And I got like I was talking, I got sun poisoning basically. Mm. And I remember just being on the boardwalk at like nine o'clock and being like, they aren't gonna listen to me if I don't start crying. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just was like. I started crying because I was like, you got to know I'm in pain. Right, right. I just remember that as like my travel pain story. Right, right. That's probably the same thing the bride said <laughs> in that last year. I, um, yeah, I had a thing similar to that recently where I, like as a kid, I would get sick on, on rides at like the fair and at, uh, you know, theme parks and stuff. And then that went away for decades. And then just recently I was, I was riding a, a ride with my nephews at Six Flags. And it was one of those teacup like rides that's basically just, Non-stop spinning. You got to talk to the mic. They're worse than roller yeah, coasters. Yeah, they really are. Sorry. And um, I will tell you, the, I don't know if there is a more horrible feeling on this planet than feeling like you're going to vomit on a kid's ride surrounded by flashing lights and, and uh, fun orchestral music playing and children screaming and having fun. Like, I just had to put my head down and just keep spinning, and it was a freaking nightmare. I was going to say, that sounds like a pure nightmare <laughs> to me. <laughs> I puked on the teacup ride, as a, well, after the teacup ride as a kid, so I, I relate to you. And they oh, covered nice. it with sawdust. I always remember that. Remember how they used to do that? It's just like, yeah. kids puke, and they just dump a bunch of sawdust on it. it like, <laughs> they they wouldn't the even fair. clean it up? 
Is that is that what you're saying? They wouldn't clean it up. They just oh, pour sorry. Salt? Yeah, yeah. No, they they just yeah. It was just like a band aid on the problem. But right. I also don't blame someone for not wanting to scrape sure. a bunch of vomit oh off the sidewalk. Right. But uh, yeah. I just yeah. remember sort of looking at someone covering my puke with sawdust <laughs> as like a five year old. Maybe it's my first memory. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe it set the course they'd... for my life. Right, right. Yeah. One of my friends uh, went on a date, and it was like you know those rides where it's like they force you against the wall. Oh, oh, like where you stick to, oh yeah. yeah yeah he was on on like a first date and like he was like i don't think i should and the guy was like go on it go on it after a lot and he went on it and he like puked oh and no. it like all was like in between his jacket and his <laughs> shirt oh my god <laughs> and uh. oh my god uh they went on the second date but their love didn't last long we should have dates from hell oh that would be one I had my first date at a CC's pizza. Well, so. we'll save it for that anyway. episode. It's already, Ew. you've already given away the twist at a CC's pizza. That's, that's mainly the, that's the punchline. Right, that's worse than the vomiting on the Tilt-A-Whirl ride. Maybe they're uh, related. I actually have another <laughs> offset of why that's actually worse than you think. All right, sure, give it to us. My parents were there uh, at a different table. No. I think you did mention oh, this no. on another episode. Oh, honey. <laughs> no, I think I just did a bit. That's rough. Oh, okay. You've talked about that on stage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Lily's a really good stand-up comedian as well. Oh, that's awesome. I got you. Got to connect me. I want to if I can hear it. Somewhere. Yeah, she's only twenty-one and she's already better than me and a no. lot of other people, and I'm, I'm really not. jealous. <laughs> um, I'm not better than him. Uh, do you have any more traveling stories for us, Chelsea? Let's see. I'm trying to pull out a good one. I did. I did also, let's see, I hopped a train once, um, and that Ooh, was cool. I'm I know one of your listeners mentioned that. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, I think that that was a particularly magical experience with my friend Channing. Um, you know, we just, it's a really interesting thing because there's a whole subculture around this, and, and I never could break into it because uh, it, right, it right. was definitely not my world to be in, if that uh -huh. makes sense. Kind of, um, kind of the cross punk and There's a lot of or? communities around train hopping, and, and it's very dangerous, obviously, but it's also dangerous because it, it's, it's, it's not a place where you can be a tourist, really. Um, mm. But my friend Channing had, uh, had uh, and I also think it's, it's important to talk about that as like, was I acting like a tour? Like what? I have a lot of questions for myself, kind of retroactively, right? As I've sure. as I've learned, as the cultures change, as our conversations have changed. But anyway, I I we we did this. We we hopped a train, and and what I was going to say is that there's there's a thing called the crew change guide, and you used to be only able to get it through photocopies and passing it around. Mm. And what it would do is teach you um, when the trains were stopped at at different stations, and and when you could sort of sneak on because they were changing uh, right. who, who was working there. They were changing the crew. And so you kind of knew when, but you'd walk up and you'd find somebody that looked okay who worked there and just be like, hey, when's the next train leaving? And if they were cool, they'd be like, this is when it is. And right, if they right. weren't, they'd be like, get out of here. Yeah, um, yeah. And so this one was, was okay. And we ended up getting in this boxcar, climbing inside. And we were in, let's see, we were in Brattleboro, Vermont, which is a great town. And... Um, and we went all the way to uh, New Hampshire, uh, White something, I can't remember the city, but it was all night. So it was about 10 hours. Um, and we were in a boxcar that was open to the sky. And so it was just like cool. in the middle of nowhere, just like an insane, just like being in this very loud and rumbling thing, just in this absolute, you know, 
Yeah. Aban- like not abandoned, but you know, just like a, a, a wilderness, but just like open. Sure. I mean, Vermont's beautiful. We couldn't see it, but uh, I just, that was a really magical experience. And I think when you're traveling with, with people, that's the other thing about the magic of, it's magic for me. Like hitchhiking mm. felt like magic. And, wow. and I think that I still, I don't want to let go of that as I become a skeptic because I, I mean, it was, it's beautiful. There was just, like, I don't know another word for it except for, like, it was just so heartfelt. And and when you're traveling with someone, I mean, that's an intimacy because we were also Mm -hmm. camping almost every night. We were, you know, and and you, Mm -hmm. you rely on that person so much. You rely on that person's intuition and you get to know somebody and, like, you just kind of fall in love with whoever you're with, not necessarily romantically, but just like sure. you, you lean on each other and you experience these things that like nobody else will ever experience. And, and, and nobody can really grasp sort of the feeling of being on the road and in, in that way and just letting the world mm. happen to you. And uh, I think that it's 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 just so in, it's just so much. It's such a deep part of me and it just informs all of my work, whether it's podcasting or, or music or uh, writing or anything. It's just that feeling of of letting the world just determine what happens, which again is problematic sometimes, but also can be really, just letting go of control gives Mm. like, let something else in, right? It lets some, some trust in the world and it let, it lets some of like beauty and love into your life. And, and I just like really, I really value those memories. And it doesn't mean I'm saying go out and hitchhike people, but, but Mm. it's, it's just sort of like trying to, it just gave me a new way to approach the world and a new way to approach people and say, Hey, you're not going to be all good. You're not going to be all bad. Right. And that's complicated. And we're de- dealing with that in our culture now. And how do we deal with these complications? Because everybody has them. We all have done things. We've all done bad things. We've all done good things. And, well, not all of us. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> save for, for the very, very sure, worst sure. psychopaths out there. You know, right. we have, generally speaking, you know, people are complicated. And, yeah, and yeah. dealing with that is what American hysteria is because it, it's mm-hmm. just an expanding the personality from one to like the personality of our culture and America right, right. because you can think yeah. of America as a person right you can think of them as as complicated there's beautiful parts of America we we live in one of the most beautiful you know environment like in, environments in the world and and we also have some really amazing people we have some really amazing social changes we have some really ama- we have an amazing history but we also have this terrible history that we we gloss over so it's just the complications of finding the middle ground between what feels magical and feels beautiful but also Mm. can ignore sometimes like the harder sides of life and I guess all of that is just so much informed who I am and the work that I want to put out in the world that is very nuanced and and looks at the problems on both sides and and tries to find where the truth is among all of this chaos Mm. right yeah I definitely resonate with what you're saying about like black and white like even how we talk about something as like mundane as like movies where it's like you're either like i like this like it's like if you're like i like something or this is okay it means you don't like it Mm -hmm. sure sure and And i like what you said i mean it is it isn't cool to to be ecstatic right (laughs) right yeah to be excited no that's that's inspiring i think it's cool and i love people that are yeah excited and and why wouldn't we be excited Mm -hmm. if we Mm -hmm. can be you know right right. yeah no that's a great way to feel and i don't know why people Mm -hmm. people don't want to feel i guess it's scary to feel it's vulnerable but right i don't know i i i don't want to 
hate people ever. I mean, there's lots of people that do terrible things, but generally speaking, I mean, I want to be open and Mm -hmm. I want to be caring. And I think we all need to to try to be caring and understanding as much as possible while still understanding that that things are really complicated and that we need to make social changes, if if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. The way, this is like very simplified, but the way I like to look at people is like everyone's kind of like good and bad. And it's just kind of like up to me individually if like for each person does the good outweigh the bad. Yeah, perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. you don't have to be in relationship to someone to see their humanity, right? right? I think yeah. you could say, yeah. you can't be in my life, but I still see you as a person and I still understand that you're doing your best or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. Which the best doesn't mean it's good enough, but it, you can you can decide to not have someone in your life and to not interact with someone while still not completely stripping them of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes sense too, because like you said, people are good, people are bad. It's a mixed bag. Some people are, I mean, and good and bad are obviously also like completely abstract terms and yeah. they mean different They're things in different cultures and it's completely constructed by what, uh, you know, what, what our culture has learned and, and good and bad in this country is ridiculous. I mean, one person would say one thing is good and another person would say that's terrible. Right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. this, it's just, it's so confusing. The whole yeah. world is so confusing yeah. and, and I just want to, I'm just trying to make more sense of it with American yeah. stereotypes. Yeah, no, I definitely appreciate your, uh, your optimistic thirst for, um, the complexity of humans and um, I don't know it's just really refreshing to, to for someone to you know like we were saying just be able to explore those things without the full-on cynicism that so many um, you know writers and uh, media figures have Absolutely. yeah there's a glamorization of cynicism right. that's yeah. just and like stand-up usually and stand-up mm-hmm. and like even like with um, Van Gogh like, hmm. it's debated if he even cut off his own ear or actually killed himself. But that oh, would take really? away the story of the tragic artist. Huh. Really? I love that. And that's that's wow. so true because it's like the story. That's so much what we talk about because mm-hmm. the stories that we tell are so often not. They're just more to support viewpoints than they are the truth. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I could yeah. go off about that story, but I feel like I could <laughs> tell you guys. <laughs> about it later the van gogh thing i want to take i mean that's it. really interesting i'm not surprised because yeah it fits into a narrative right it fits into this narrative yeah. that we want of the tragic artist why ever, why we want that i'm not mm-hmm. positive but i'm sure there's a reason i think it's because we have this idea that like art like art like to do art you have to like i think art does come from pain in a way and like ex- well not pain but like experience and i think mm-hmm. that like that kind of got twisted into like you need to experience all these things and have all this sadness in order to make something beautiful and maybe even it's a justification for people who feel like they can't do that where it's like oh i'm just like maybe i just don't have like this sadness in my life maybe i'm just happy and i Hmm. think that's also eases it Hmm. yeah i I mean i used to i had a teacher in in college a poetry teacher named mary cornish she's fantastic and she often talked about about how artists, especially poets, I mean, gosh, we're so dramatic. And, um, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, uh, and, and there's a narrative that you want to create, right? You want to create sort of like your 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 pain narrative and, and right. your pain personality or whatever. But there are people that, that destroy themselves because they don't think that they can be artists if they're happy. And right, we talk right, a lot, yeah. I mean, there's another thing called in poetry that's it's just a term that's happiness writes white. And, uh, and it, but I, I, I think that that can be true, but I am creative when I'm happy and Same. I might yeah, be talking so, about too. things right. that are sad, but I'm yeah. not yeah. creating when I'm depressed. Right. 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 Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of like that too. And also Van Gogh, well. right. um, he like going off of him is like, he 
had five years where he did art, and he would never made art during his manic or depressive episodes. Really? He only made it when he was no more. So he actually more did in two point five years, not five. Wow! Wow! That's his whole career was two point five years. Te- I'm well, it was five years. This. Wow, that's incredible. It was like five years, but oh, like yeah. if you take out his manic yeah. and depressive episodes, which he couldn't make <laughs> art during. Anyway. But like uh, another thing about like the, the you know the creativity uh, with depression or whatever is I hate it. Like I can never relate to people who are kind of like. Oh, I you know if they get screwed by somebody, they're like, I'm just gonna. This is gonna give me more motivation to fight harder, to do better, and rise above. I never really feel that. If somebody hurts me, I I just kind of retreat. Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, yeah, I try to use it. I'm a big mm-hmm. therapy guy. You know, I like therapy. Mm-hmm. I like uh, I like mental health stuff. Uh, yeah, I've always been in therapy. I've always done that but i think uh, i should probably i think I, I do try to see experiences as like i try to see life as a path right even if it's mm-hmm. not even if it's bullshit sure. but like yeah regardless it makes me feel better so like you know a series right, right. of like hey somebody hurt me what can i glean from this but at the same yeah. time being you know super right. sad but i think yeah, that, i yeah, want to be more like that, that, there's so much to can't. learn from pain um uh-huh. but that's easy to say when you're not in it right yeah i think sure. it's just you don't really learn anything as much always like i think by yourself like when you're in your room you learn from like living mm-hmm. and i think living often just makes like because you, right. you learn by like stuff happening to you and learning how you react to those things happening mm-hmm. And then you grow from that. And right, I think it's right. just that means like sometimes you're going to get hurt to grow. Sure. And sure. I think sometimes like good stuff happens. Like when you're like traveling in a like train cargo car and you're mm-hmm. looking at like the Vermont sky. Like you learn from that because you're experiencing life, but it wasn't negative. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, life is a lot to offer if you're willing to to meet it halfway, you know, and not, yeah. and not be cynical and not sure, be sure. cut off from feelings and not be yeah, cut off I would from say, and from what I call feeling right. the world. Cause maybe you guys mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. relate to when, when things are going good and, and, you know, you just, you feel connected to people. You feel like you're in the flow mm-hmm. versus when you feel like you're not and you're just like, nothing's mm-hmm. going right. And, and the world feels like it's fighting against you. It's just like, I feel, I feel in both of those realities at different times and they both really teach me a lot, I think. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, for me like um I'm not a big traveler, but I feel like maybe the equivalent of your experience Chelsea for me was kind of breaking out of the the ver- when I was like 22 or so, I decided I was tired of being scared of Baltimore. Uh you know, I was always told, you know, you don't go to this neighborhood or that neighborhood. You you know, you, you can't walk around at night or whatever. And for me, I just decided, you know what, the the closest community college to me is in, you know, what's considered a bad neighborhood. Um, I really like walking. I can't afford a car or anything, so I'm just going to walk there. And I developed this habit of just kind of walking wherever I wanted to in Baltimore. And um, that, to me, kind of became like that spiritual journey of just meeting people that I would have never met. And seeing landscapes that I never would have seen and, um, you know, just really in losing a lot of that kind of city uh, fear uh, that a lot of people have. Um, So, yeah, I guess that was that was kind of my experience that kind of, you know, I learned so much from and I'm glad I had that experience. I think for me, a big change in my life was probably like this is kind of cliche, but like starting to do stand up Mm -hmm. because I think it like 
like let me meet like i would never have met you otherwise like it's just like letting me meet people that i would never have mm-hmm. met with more sure. experience than like the bubble of my school right right and i love I w- a lot of my f- oh sorry no go ahead please oh, i was gonna say like i love a lot of my friends in my school mm-hmm. um as if they're gonna <laughs> listen to this <laughs> um but yeah, and just kind of, like, just doing stuff because it's, like, fuck it, life is short. I don't right. want to, like, not yeah. experience things. Yeah, well, and I sure. think, I mean, I just want to say to both of you that I believe that stand-up comedy is the most vulnerable art form that there is. And I find yeah. it very brave and very, uh, comedy is, it's vulnerable, man. And people think, yeah. oh, it's, like, making people laugh. But, like, it's vulnerable. And, and I really respect, <laughs> I really respect stand-up Thank comedy. You. So, Thank you. Is yeah. that something you would ever do? Um, we did a live show for American Hysteria in Seattle, and that was a little bit of that. Okay. Um, I've never well, tell I've us been about actually thinking about bit. working on my tight five, which is a yeah, do it, recently, do it. Uh, I went yeah. Oh my god, I went Absolutely. and saw some stand up, and I was like, ooh, I, I think I could do this. <laughs> like sure. there was just, sure. oh, yeah, you, you was could, Mike, which I'm sure that you've yeah. both experienced. Um, oh, and so I thought, you no, know, I just I skipped right ahead to headlining myself. I didn't, I didn't have to hit the open mic circuit. I'm just kidding. I didn't. Oh man, I love the set in the night that makes you realize when you first start, I can do this. Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah, there was a couple no, of those be, for me you'd where be I was great like, okay, Chelsea, if he's up yeah. there, like, I can, I can <laughs> yeah. do this. I can be that guy If he's for you, up there, sure. is, that's my most, that keeps me going. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you would be a great stand-up comedian, I think. You've got the, uh, you know, the, the presence and the voice and the honesty, and, you know, I think you'd be amazing. Well, thank um, you. But, so, this live show, are, are you going to do it in other places be, besides Seattle, or...? It's on the uh, it's on the docket, but we're we're trying to figure out. You know, I mean, I work for a company, so there's always mm. um, there's always a little bit of bureaucracy to get through. Um, and right. so I think we're we're I think we're gonna try and do it maybe around season three um, if awesome. we keep going because hopefully we'll have like a built up listenership there and uh, sure. we'll be able to sell. You know, we we want to at least break even, but yeah, we mm-hmm. it's still possible. Mm-hmm. We're talking about doing a uh, New York, DC situation um awesome. which would be really fun i mean the live show is not just me talking it's a performance art show so it's like we've got somebody playing tinky winky we've got somebody playing <laughs> oh, satan nice. we've got satan and tinky winky hanging out oh, we've got john wow. harvey kellogg you know we've got these <laughs> really interesting characters we we, we have like the da- like dancers do the um the band dances from the 1920s that are so <laughs> hilarious and, and then it's also awesome. me talking a bunch but uh you know we oh, wanted to do great. something different and i have a background in in things like drag like i put on a riverdale drag show i produced oh, cool. uh and hosted as jughead if anyone's a riverdale fan out there oh. um so Who's you know I, I love i love that we were able to do that instead of yeah. uh, a, a typical type of show sure sure yeah that we'd love so that fun yeah actually um, when is this episode coming out you guys uh, t- Monday, right, Jimmy? Okay. Well, then yeah, I'd love Monday. to just say we are going to do um, a little taste of our live show as an episode uh, a week from, uh, so two weeks from, uh, one week from when this show comes out. So okay. check that awesome. out on American Hysteria. And you'll also cool. get some corresponding video if, if, it, if you come to our social media. Sweet. Sweet. Oh, um, yeah. So tell us about, uh, do you have anything else that you're working on? I know you've done some other projects in the past. Yeah, I mean, I uh, something exciting that's coming out this week is uh, my first. Uh, I work for Skylark Media, and uh, we have some other podcasts. We have um, Earthbreak, which was is starring Jenny Slate, who, of course, you probably both know. I as love comedians. Jenny Slate. Uh, she's fantastic, Sorry. and it's kind of a post-apocalyptic show, oh, and cool. it's just Jenny Slate and a tape recorder navigating the apocalypse as a pregnant oh, woman. Oh, that's and great. It's great. Lily's and a then, Lily's a Jenny Slate fan. I love her. 
I love her so much. Dude, I love her so much. I didn't get to do anything on that project, by the way. I was not involved. My, my oh, co-producer, oh, Will, my was and got to hang out with Jenny Slade, and I'm forever, forever envious uh, I'm of that. Of B- Wait, Will or Bill? Will. Will Rogers. Check Will. him out. He's, he's brilliant. He also does Blackwood, which is a podcast that it takes an urban legend in a, in a small town, and it's about three kids doing a, a podcast project about this urban legend, and it, you know, it turns out to be more real than you ever knew. It's kind of Blair Witchy, which I love. And then, awesome. yeah, and of course, we have, let's see, we also have um, The Long Hallway coming out, which is our uh, mini horror stories so i'm sure this all stuff your, your listeners would be interested in and sure. there uh because a lot of our our stuff is is more on the mystery horror side american series yeah. a little bit of an outlier um but uh we also have the long hallway which is basically our twilight zone so they're eight to ten minute short horror oh, nice. stories oh, but they're audio God. dramas so they're acted out and and mine which i'm very excited about is coming out on uh, it'll already be out when this show airs, and uh, it's cool. called Bang, Mary Kill, and it's uh, um, my first <laughs> yeah. attempt. I love that, that game. At teen horror, right? So it's like oh, I'm trying nice. to do the like heightened dialogue sure. of, of teen horror where everybody oh, cool. is way smarter right, than right. they should be, right? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever noticed that in teen horror and like teen dramas and stuff. And so it's just so so just much giving away fun exposition, to just do something yeah. like that where I just get mm-hmm. to like just make a dumb amazing story oh that's great um, and, and you I wrote all that voice i voice act in it um oh, as cool. a Hell as a very yeah. bitchy college girl so oh that's enjoy so that. fun wow lily would be really good at that i love playing the bitch <laughs> well we'll keep it in mind if we ever get because right now it's it's a cool because it's completely skylark so anybody who works for the company because we also do subscription boxes we do um things like uh, hunt a killer if anyone's heard of yeah, that we yeah. have an Earthbreak box which is a pair uh, Sorry, a uh, like an apocalypse type of game, and then we have uh, empty faces in these, and that's a paranormal one. So they're all these uh, stories that are ongoing that get mailed to your house, and so that's kind of the main part of Skylark. And now we've got this this other thing going on where we're trying to break into the podcast world, and that that's where I fall in the company. But we we we're doing a lot of fun things in the creepy horror world as well as as well as the real creepy horror world of American Hysteria. Right. Right. Well, that's awesome. Um, anything else you'd like to add, Lily? About what she said? Yeah. Or, about or just the, the whole episode in general? Or That's uh, all right. Sorry. I didn't mean like to put you no, on the Mike. spot there. Like no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, oh, did you ever see, like, this is Jenny Slate. Going back to Jenny Slate. I'm a please, big Jenny please, Slate fan. Please. Uh, do you ever see like the web series she did that was like very uncanny, like where she's like kind of like, like this, like she's in like a business and like part of it's about like the normalcy of like the uncanniness that's explored and it's like almost funny but it's also creepy. No, but that sounds like something I'm gonna watch immediately. Do you yeah, know the like, name what's of it called? Uh, can you hand me my phone, Jimmy? I don't want to reach over everything. Lily's a big fan of the uncanny. Oh, like the Uncanny Valley? That's that's my shit for sure. Oh yeah, that's. Yeah. I took a class on it. She's tried to explain it to me several times. I don't quite get it, but I'm hoping to eventually. Um, we should do a whole episode on Uncanny at some point. Oh yeah. But uh, all right. Well, she's looking that up. Is there anything else you'd uh, you'd like to plug, Chelsea? Or, no, I mean uh, I. Okay. I think that's it. I mean, I think I, I think I got the. I think I got everything. I mean, please listen to American Hysteria. We're oh. always doing something. Something weird. Uh, we got awesome. mini episodes. We have big episodes. Uh, you know, coming up, we've got uh, toy pan- toy hysteria, which is oh, going to be so oh, much fun. Yeah. So yeah. much fun. 
then gonna be part of we it? Got, we got Furby, we got Beanie Babies, we got Tickle Me Elmo, we got Cabbage oh. Patch dolls, and and what the fuck makes us do this shit, right? Like, what why were Cabbage are we doing Pats? this? And How then are we've got Patch dolls yeah, and then after that we've got uh, what's next? We've got dangerous teenagers. So we're gonna talk about the myths behind Columbine. This is gonna you be a more serious kids. episode, and try to put school shootings in a different type of context right. and try to figure that out i bet you is going to get a lot of controversy yeah right yeah oh my god i used to make plans when i was in school i'd be like based on which door they'd come in and what right. class i'm in how likely i'd be to die Yeah, and see i don't think that's fair to do to kids you know because it's like the odds of that happening are so small and whenever I bring that up, people get very angry with me. People get mad about it, but it's also mm. one of those things where, like, it's a distraction from where t- where right, kids and teenagers yeah. are really in danger. Yeah, statistically, yeah. the school is the safest place in the world. Right, yeah. Far safer yeah. than their home. And that's mm-hmm, something we don't mm-hmm. want to talk about, so we can focus, again, mm-hmm. stranger danger. But it doesn't mean that these things aren't terrible and don't need to sure. be addressed and that we don't sure. need gun control. It just means we need to think about the consequences, yeah, like the fact yeah. that the juvenile incarceration rate is going up. Right, that right. We have cops in schools now. We have armed teachers, and we yeah, have very little ridiculous. gun control. So yeah. when, uh, when we panic, what's force. changing? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And w- uh, going back to what you were saying earlier, I think that was a big part of like my depression and fear of things when I was younger. And anxiety was that adults are constantly telling you that you're in danger, you know, and that societal collapse is just around the corner. And, um, you know, it's it's really not that bad. And uh, I wish someone had told me that when I was a teenager. I think we'd be in a better place. I think we'd be moving forward in a different way if we weren't doing it out of fear so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what we want to do. That's all we want to do at yeah. American Hysteria is, you know, quell some fears and, and make some progress. So. Awesome. Well, you're doing an amazing job. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much for all you're doing. Thank you, and thank you both for having me. I was I was so excited to do this. Um, oh, I, I really I really like the idea of the confessional, and and it was really enjoyable to listen to your episodes. So I just really appreciate oh, both of you. That means the oh. world to me. I, That's awesome. I appreciate you too. <laughs> Sorry. Well, Chelsea, <laughs> thank you thank so, you much. so much. Yeah. Thank you both so much. And we'd love to have you back another time if you there's any if you want to discuss horror movies or, or ghosty stuff or anything like that. Literally we, anytime. I can awesome, talk forever. Awesome. So just well, hit we'd me love up. listening. <laughs> Okay, great. All right, thank you so much, Chelsea. Thank you both. Also, it's called Catherine. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to check that out. All right. Bye. Bye.